0: Hello, Left Unsaid listeners, it's your host, Carl Desir. And Before we jump in to this important topic, I wanted to make a note. It was on April 17th, 2020, that we recorded this episode. It's now been over 14 weeks since that recording. We are releasing this in a very different world. The global health crisis combined with the continued threatening and killing of black bodies has surely changed us all. As you listen to this episode, please keep in mind that some of the views and opinions are of a different time and place. That being said, I still want you to enjoy the episode. You have some great guests on this episode, some of the best and brightest in their field, and they are fighting the good fight every day. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Created for the MAPE community, by the MAPE community, Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid, podcast by MAPERS for MAPERS, where we talk about everything. And we get real, we get honest, and we leave nothing left unsaid. This episode is near and dear to my heart, my passion, and my paycheck. We will be talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. And I have such a great group of guests here today uh, that I'm going to let them introduce themselves because I can't do it justice. Um, but we're going to get, get real with this. We're going to see how everyone's doing. We're going to see what people are thinking. We're going to see how we are going to push the envelope with diversity, equity, inclusion for the future, for the now. So without any further introduction for myself, stop blabbing. I want uh, Let's have the guests introduce themselves. Uh, alphabetical order by first name. And after you tell us who you are, what you do, yeah, alphabetical order. Um, we're also going to do something that we've been doing on the episodes where I, that I've taken from um, Reboot Bootcamp, where we check in with ourselves, let everyone know how we're feeling uh, by telling where you are on a scale of red, green, or yellow, green being jazz fingers, super hype, red being not doing so well, and yellow being somewhere in between. Um, so, all right, let's, let's kick it off. Daisy.
1: Thank you so much, Carl. Hi, everyone. I am Daisy Oje dominguez and I am a workplace culture strategist and human capital executive. I lead a consultancy uh, with Fortune 500, social impact orgs, and startups, helping them uh, reduce the gap between the values that they espouse and the experience of their employees. And, you know, it's it's a funny question that you asked because we've been all checking in on each other a lot lately. We have, um, yeah. And I feel today I'm a little bit closer to the green, just mostly because I'm your beautiful faces right now. And I'm excited about this conversation. Um, but, you know, I think I see the day more on a yellow.
0: OK, thank you for sharing. Jez, I think you're. I
2: am Jez Chung. I am a writer, I'm a creative, I'm an artist, I'm a poet, I'm a performer, and I am passionate about building equity through conscious creative expression. Um I am feeling uh I'll say lime green. I say lime green because I am feeling pretty hopeful and optimistic and oddly. I, I struggle with depression and anxiety and ADD, but and I would think that I would fall into this deep depressive episode during this time, but I've actually found so much support in the communities that I've been a part of, and they've the people around me have really been lifting me up during this time. So I say I'm at a green because of the communities that I'm a part of.
0: Awesome. Nothing like you know. We all need a little communities, A lot of community support these days. I'm glad you have it there.
3: Hi, this is uh, Tiffany R. Warren. Uh, I'm happy to be here, or Tiff, uh, for the purposes of this podcast. I'm Senior VP, Chief Diversity Officer for Omnicom Group, um, and uh, many of you know Omnicom Group's uh, a company, a holding company, 75,000 employees, 1,800 uh, uh, networks, and and companies. Um, and you know, I started a little thing called ad color actually, while I was a, a manager at the four a So I'm super, super proud, um, to be a part of this podcast with my friends, X and Jez and Daisy and Carl. Um, I am, I've consistently been green for the past two weeks. I would say the first month of the, uh, shelter in place, I was, was probably very deep yellow (laughs) Um, but now I'm high green because I've just consistently had really wonderful conversations and I'm making really meaningful connections with people um, that I think we can all say when we were on the hamster wheel, we didn't get an opportunity to really check in with. So I'm really grateful and feel like this this crisis is not happening to us, but it's happening for us.
0: That's a, that's a great way to put it. Right, making connections that we don't often do because we're on that hamster wheel. So now we're, I guess, more people are reaching out, you're finding time. You have the time to connect, and that's maybe not what you want. It's not that face to face, but it's still you're hearing from people, you're seeing from people.
3: Yeah, whatever your higher power is, they stop the world for us, and so we yep. we, we need to pay attention and um, um, and and really take this time to reconnect.
0: All right.
4: Couldn't agree more. What's up, everybody? I'm Xavier Jernigan. Everybody calls me X. I'm happy to be here, happy to be back with this wonderful panel of folks. Even though we're not a panel, we're just having some free conversation today. I'm head of cultural partnerships at Spotify. And what that means is I head up our editorial and what we do for cultural moments. So that's across TV and film. That's across Broadway. That's across sports and gaming. So wherever you see the, and that's just to name a few, but whatever you see happening in the broader cultural landscape, my team makes partnerships with other individuals, other companies, and we curate around those moments. So in the form of playlists, in the form of podcasts, and I'm also in-house talent for Spotify. So I host podcasts and, and host a lot of our all-hands and conferences, so very visible around the company. So just always making sure that we're culturally relevant and I'm also a deacon at Emanuel Baptist Church, which leads into how I'm feeling. I'm usually at a bright green. And as much of an extrovert as I am, I actually need and crave downtime to recharge and to refuel. So kind of what Tiff, what Tiff was alluding to, like for me, the time alone and the time just to recharge and regroup was special for me. I do believe that this is a time that, God allowed us to recharge and to reconnect and to focus on what's important. So, so for me, I've been at a green Last week though, I was at red, yellow for the first half of the week because one of my fellow deacons passed away from Covid. Oh,
0: I'm and sorry to hear that. She,
4: she had a pre-existing condition. She was a diabetic. We were just together on Sunday, March first, laughing, serving, talking as we normally do. And then last Tuesday, We got the word that she passed and I had to call a bunch of people and she was a counselor. So she counseled a lot of young adults and people in their 20s and 30s getting through tough times in their lives. So that had me out of red into a yellow. But I'm coming back around to the green right now. But I'm happy to be here. But that's what's going on right now. That's a real part of what's happening right now, especially those (laughs) of us who we are all based in New York City. Right. So for those of us here in this area, it's a whole nother level.
3: And X, I just want to say, Deacon Corbett was was amazing. Actually, when I lived in Brooklyn, when I first moved to New York, I did go to her Bible studies. So again. wow! And a shout
4: out, Deacon Ruth Corbett. Yes, yes. I want to say her name. Thank you. Too. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
3: I think, think
1: that I think the the point you're making, X, is 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 really critical in terms of um, gauging how we're all emotionally responding to these yeah. moments. Because I, I find this, I find the same thing. I I, I actually realized earlier this week that for the last four weeks or so, there's been one day of the week that I can, it's my, I call it my PJ day. Like I just, today yeah. I'm not dressing up today. I'm not doing yeah. anything like I just yeah. need to let today just be. And it's, and it's been, and it's been a different day of the week. So I, I, yeah,
4: can't, I but
1: I realized that I've, that I've had one day every week and it's been sort of the accumulation or what I've been calling the proximity of this disease and the impact getting closer. So it's, Finding out that I've had that I've had I've had several friends who have had it and are now out of it. And so during those days when they had it, those were my deep reds and my deep worries. The days where i found friends who have lost or friends of friends, and you know, and then and then there's that you know shifting of colors to more yellows and greens because right. there's hope. And then there's there's moments, and and I think that that fluctuation is natural, as part of the human condition. Um, but I think we're all feeling that in, in, at extreme levels right now, given the. You know sort of the closeness and the distance of, of this disease. yeah
4: Couldn't
0: and it's important more.
2: to go through all those emotions right like go through the color spectrum and mm-hmm. the emotional <laughs> spectrum i feel that i i'm actually by myself i'm uh, my roommate left i am doing this quarantine by myself and mm. because of that it's actually been making me confront my emotions so much uh more closely and Painfully. So I've just been emoting out loud. I have been having conversations with myself. When I'm angry at someone, I'm just, I'm letting it out. Mm. I wake up. I mean, we're getting real here, right? I wake up making noises because I've been having these vivid dreams and I wake up making, Mm. I don't even know how to describe them. They're just emoting. And it's been mm-hmm. happening, consists every day for the past two weeks now. And at first it scared me. I thought, what yeah. is happening to my body? What is going on? But I realized, oh, I'm releasing. It's just, mm-hmm. it's purging. And I think that's that that must be healthier than keeping it in.
4: Yes. Uh, it has to be. And you know what too? I, I realized like the first week of work from home. So Spotify, we went to work from home very quickly. So we did. we went to work from home the week before most companies did, mm-hmm. like early that week. And then the very next week was when pretty much New York city shut down. And by the end of that week, people were acting like they were stir crazy. And I for me, that was weird because it was like, I know our routines were interrupted, but it, it told me something deeper that a lot of those people didn't want to be home and there mm-hmm. were issues at home and mm-hmm. a lot of issues with yourself that people don't want, want to confront that, sh- that people end up running around being busy to hide from. And just to your point, it's like, Embrace it, like face it, like right now, this is the time to do it to Tiff's point. Like a higher power or being like whoever, whoever it is that you serve or you look to, they stopped the world for us. This is the whole world stopped. This is it's unprecedented. They will crazy. write about this, right?
3: Yeah. It's
2: the history crazy. Books. It's yeah. crazy.
0: And it, you all, I mean, it's so each one of you and everyone in the world is right going through their own unique experience with this right? Like, you know, whether you have kids, whether you're with somebody, whether you're alone, you're all going through unique experience. And then I was actually talking with um, Glenn Singleton, which I'm sure you all know, but you know, a founder of a Pacific educational group does the amazing works off of courageous conversations about race. And we were talking about how since the whole world has stopped and everything, the, what is happening is we are now seeing The actually the diversity of experiences that our, if we talk about companies, our employees and Mm -hmm. ourselves are going through, right now. We're we're talking a little bit about it here, and I'm curious to hear from you all about how does that translate then? I mean, X, you said that you know Spotify was the first to go work from home, Mm -hmm. right? How are companies handling now this seeing into and people experiencing all these different ways to go through? covid and showing the breadth and diversity of these experiences because we no longer we're not bringing them into the office they're at home but we still as, as companies have to manage this and and help people through this
3: can i um say something uh it's interesting because you know i get we we're all getting the calls to be part of conversations about diversity and inclusion in the time of covid and i pick and choose the ones i want to be a part of cuz honestly my response has been, well, I'm going through it. So, you know, touch base with me in August. Uh, maybe I'll have some more to say. Because right now, it's it's pretty superficial. I'm sure we. I, I've been hearing the same thing over and over again. But one, um, much like Jez, and we talked about this, um, I have very, very vivid dreams. A lot of the best things that have happened to my life have come to me as dreams, and some would say visions. And one of the things that I, I thought about is that even in good times, those of us that are in the roles of um, you know cultural director or directors of diversity or even chief diversity officers, we're, we're kind of like the first responders for our industries. Um, and this is in good times. And you know we are the ones who when people are sick of, of not being promoted or retained or paid attention to, you know they come to us for relief. Um, when the, the, the environment that they're in, is unbreathable. They can't breathe because they can't be themselves. They come to us. And we're in no means like a nurse or a doctor, but in a way, every industry has its first responders. And I think that chief diversity officers are that, or directors of diversity are that for um, the creative industries. And what's interesting is that, how do you balance advocacy for others and self-care for yourself? Um, Because um, at any given time, We are being poured into people's frustrations. You know, this week has been particularly brutal. Um, Furloughs and layoffs are happening. Um, So how do we advocate for those individuals who have received bad news and tough news while taking care of ourselves so that we can be there for the next person?
2: To follow that.
3: So this is news
2: that I haven't shared publicly, but uh, I guess by the time this is out, this will be public, but I was just placed on a 12 week furlough. Oh. So starting May 5th. Mm, and um, so I'm going through that in terms of, I am checking up on the people of color at, at Anomaly and I'm checking on them. Hey, are you okay? Do you have what you need? Do you feel supported? But then also trying to figure out, okay, I need to eat for 12 weeks. Right. <laughs> like I need to keep my, I need to pay my rent and I need to do this. And it's, it's so wild that was talking to tiffany about this because she's one of the first people she's the first person i called because tiffany has been you know this this rock for me for throughout the past seven years and have given me so many opportunities in my career and um we were saying it's so wild how things happen i was furloughed the same week i was featured on the cover of ad week and we are we are trying to, you know, as Daisy said in the panel at the MAPE Summit, we're just trying to hold on to our seats. We're constantly fighting to prove our our roles. And the thing is, it's not even a matter of Anomaly not believing in inclusion because they have invested so many dollars and their leadership is on board. And there's, you know, Anomaly is probably one of the best places I can think of that in terms of leading leading the charge and actually putting inclusion into practice. Yet the economic impact is real it's just our business is suffering just like so many else's. And I am just, you know, I'm a result of that. So I'm grappling right now with how can I provide at at this time, I think I'm shifting my focus on how, how to provide support and give as much information as I've, um, as I can out to people to help them build equity while trying to build equity myself.
3: But can we just look at the cover for a second? Because, I mean, because I mean. Because <laughs> you're magic.
4: magic. amazing.
3: It's so beautiful.
4: <laughs> Congratulations. So beautiful. That's beautiful.
1: It is, and it's well-deserved, <laughs> Jess. Um, and, and I think you and, you and Tiffany um, raised some of the things that have been top of mind for me. And, and, and Tiff knows this. Um, in the it first and, couple of weeks, I just started and, writing a lot of things. And, and, and it was also how I was thinking of being of service because we all know this, you know, in moments of crisis is when biases are just raised. I, you know, I call it that your reptilian brain is just on hyper mode and people are acting in all sorts of ways because we're, you know, we're frightened, we're, we're worried, but it's also times when our, and, you know, and so we, we, we don't have enough energy and, and even empathy sometimes to think about what's outside of, of those circles. And, and for me, these times lift up a lot of what Tiffany said in terms of being first responders and also the fact that we know the first things to get cut when things need to be cut are these programs is diversity and inclusion is this work. And, and, and Jess, you're a perfect example, you know, anomaly still believes in this, but you're right. The, the, this health crisis has resulted in a financial and economic crisis, and and it's one of a level that is actually going to, I believe, reorder the entire global economic order for us. I mean, what's going to happen next? None of us really know. Um, but I do. But well, what I do know is that as leaders, as managers, as colleagues. Of each other, yes. and 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 extend ourselves in those in the moments when we have the energy to do so beyond each other, and that's what diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are about. Um, and and these are the times when we recognize that you know, your DNI folks, and you know, and people of color, and others who have um, already been engaging in the power imbalances in organizations you know we, can, yeah, we we're built pretty much <laughs> i think we're we're, right. we're built to you know like you know i I've, I've been part of conversations where people are are literally falling apart yeah. that i believe should not be falling apart and this is right. and, you know and this is my and this is my own bias but but when i think of you know, all of the stresses, I think of my own, my father and my stepmother are, have both been furloughed <laughs> and they're in a, you know, they're in a house with both of my brothers and, and, and they're okay. Like, you know, but you know, we look at each other, we're like, totally. worse. we worse. Totally. We're going to get through this. Um, you know, I'm talking to families that are not furloughed, that are still working, that are struggling and, and they're right. losing their minds, which by the way, I understand are stressors for them, but it makes me really think about if this is what you're losing your mm-hmm. mind over. These are the moments Uh for sense-making. These are the moments for resilience building. These are the moments to lift ourselves up and think, okay, this is maddening, but there's going to be another side to this. And so what do I need to do to take care of me, put my own Uh oxygen mask, and take care of others to get us through this? And that's when I think that the elements in the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion are so critical. Experiences... Can't are actually, you know, sort of, we're the ones we've been waiting for. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're, the, we're the ones that can get yeah. us through this. You know, there's been great stories about you know, black women are gonna get us through this, and but like, I mean, yes, but you amen. know, like we, we always, you know,
3: it's so funny because this I saw all those headlines about a uh, black woman to the rescue again, and we're always the, the vehicle for making sense out of That's no sense right. and making a way out of no mm-hmm. way. Um, but I also really respect, I mean, to go back to a couple mm-hmm. of things each of you said, but you specifically, days when you're like, there are days where I have pajama mm-hmm. days, you know. What's so interesting is for the first four weeks, my schedule looked like my schedule right. pre-COVID. And I was like, what right. am I doing? Like, I was like, I was like, I kept filling these empty spaces on my calendar. And I'm like, what am I doing? And so, like, I mean, Jess has probably done this a couple of times, but I looked at a Thursday. I don't know which They're Thursday. Together, you know, like, yeah. The days of the week don't matter anymore. So I looked at a day and I saw that I had three meetings starting at 9am. And I just call. I, I, I emailed everybody and I said, you know, um, can we change the meetings until Friday? And everybody was like, yeah, I understand if no worries. And I was just so grateful. And I didn't, I did absolutely nothing that day because I do see the headlines about black women taking care of us again, black women will get yeah. Joe Biden, you know, like all these things that people are relying on us for. But what I find very interesting is that all of that praise doesn't match the services that black women get during this time. And so to your point, like, you know, we have this this responsibility. We are the leaders we've been waiting for. You know, we've been through this before. We're doing a whole, is um, uh, doing a, um, a briefing next week about the Latinx experience during the time of, of COVID. And one of the things that we talked about was that m- many of the generations have gone through a great a recession or a depression, but have never gone through a depression, recession, and a, and a pandemic at the same time. Think- so thinking about what kind of leader my niece is going to be, what kind of leader these, these young people are going to be, I'm super I'm actually super excited because the resilience and what they're being taught where 20 years from now, when they tell the story of, you know, I think of my, myself as a kid in the eighties and going outside was such a big deal. It was like,
4: yeah, it was everything. Home,
3: it was everything. Right. And you come in and you're smelling like sun and dirt and just, just all types of grass. And 20 years from now, you'll have kids that are that are going to say to their kids, you know, outside wasn't open right. for us. And so what, what's, what, that is like mind blowing to me that outside is not open. So, I think part of our responsibility is to do what we can to support the culture that is going to welcome those leaders in the future. And that, to your point, Daisy, Mm -hmm. starts now so that when we come out on the other side, you know, whatever's reordered, not only are we ready for it, but the companies that we may or may not work for, um, will be better equipped to handle those future leaders. I'm always thinking about the future leaders. I'm like, what can I do now Mm -hmm. for the future leaders? So I prepared a table for Jess when I was a 20 year old, you know, 22 year old working at an agency. So that Jess could have a better seat. So it's like, what are we doing now to prepare, you know, the table for the future?
4: So one thing this time made me think about in terms of what companies are doing or what they're not doing. Some companies are doing well. Some companies aren't doing well. But a lot of this is on individuals is is setting boundaries and setting boundaries about when your workday starts, when your workday ends, how many meetings you allow to fill up your day. Like, Tiff, you were talking about like having three meetings at nine o'clock. That happens to me all the time, and I feel like what's going on is in terms of work from home, a lot of companies aren't used to work from home. I have the benefit to work for a tech company where we work from home all the time, but shifting all your employees to home and different people have their different routines, and we're creatures of habit. So once you break up that routine and everybody's working from home, what ended up happening is that a lot of people were trying to prove that they were working. Yeah. And how do you how do you prove that you're working? You do that by scheduling a whole bunch of meetings. And you yeah. just meetings on meetings on meetings. Look guys, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. Look boss, I'm working. Look manager, I'm working. Hey, I'm <laughs> about that.
3: think about that on top of like not even just your meetings but uh virtual birthday parties, happy yes. hours, club quarantine. That's right. Like, this, the screen time right now like when when, <laughs> when when Apple when Apple gave me my screen time report, oh I gosh. almost dropped the phone. Same. I was like I, how do how do I have 14, like 15, 16 yeah. hours? That's like a, days, a full day.
4: Right. And right. like all
3: of these social social zooms and everyone yeah. is doing a
1: and I'm like, I love it. I I literally had to tell my friends I can't drink that much. <laughs> I was like, yeah. we've got
2: to stop. Yeah. Like I miss you and I love you, but I can I I, I yeah. have to stay healthy through this. But wait. we're all recalibrating, figuring out like, is yeah. this too much? Is this too little? Yeah.
4: Right. And I think we're kind of getting into the too much space, like two days yeah. ago, similar to what Tiff did the other week for work where yeah. it's if you, you cleared out your day and you None. just said, I'm doing nothing. I did doing that nothing. socially
1: mm-hmm.
4: two nights ago yep. where right. I just said, I, I felt, I felt a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I just need time for myself Yeah, to just do whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing. And I, it wasn't about being antisocial, but I just I'm needed sure. that time to just, right. Just to release and to just recharge. unwind. Well, yeah. And recharge. Someone,
3: I was on a, I was on a call with, um, I'm on the board of makers and, you know we um, have these amazing board calls, and uh, one of my co-conspirators, we were responsible for guiding the conversation. And she presented this like really beautiful thought process about how to look at each day. and and she calls it like gap, which is g is for grace, which is giving yourself grace and also being grateful. And then she said, A is for attitude. You can choose what your attitude is. You can, you know, certainly be green or yellow. Um, and, and that's, there's so many factors on what kind of attitude you wake up with. And then P for perception. There's so much information coming in. Uh, I would say that 80% of it is negative. Um, and 80% of it is, we don't know what's true. And, and it's just, it's so, con- it's a confusing time. And so perception is like, how are you going to perceive the information That you're getting in, and how are you going to perceive how you interact with your family, and your friends, and your coworkers? And I would even add another P. I would say prayer. Um, You know, I don't necessarily go to a house of worship. When I lived in Brooklyn, um, I definitely went to a manual many times. um, But I was, I was was raised Catholic, so I'm more like Alleluia. You know, like saying (laughs) for for the past thirty years the same the same prayer. But um, you know what I realized is, you know when uh, Jesus Christ was alive. He didn't necessarily have a church. And so right. my house, my house has become my refuge and I've become more spiritual and more in touch with listening to that voice. Much like Jess does. I think you said it really beautifully about how you're releasing. And I yeah. think I'm releasing the fear of being spiritual because I've been so blessed. Mm. And I almost got to the point where I was, I, I feel so blessed that I'm like, God knows I'm grateful. I'm good. I'm good. Right. I'm good. Right. I God, I, you know, you yeah. know, But I'm, I'm literally being (laughs) intentional about being grateful about being able to wake up and breathe properly, that I get to FaceTime my mom three times a day, that she's, I'm not FaceTiming her in a hospital, that Mm -hmm. my niece thinks this is Halloween and not a pandemic (laughs) because she has to wear gloves and a mask. So we're making her feel like it's Halloween and she's loving it. I give, I'm just so, I'm looking at that G and the A and the P, but that G for me is really, really key because- you know, it, we're getting really basic right now. I used to be grateful that I could find, you know, a suit to go to a gala. Like, it's real basic. It's like, oh, you know yeah. what I e- everybody mean? Is, is everybody re,
0: is, is rethinking what matters most in their lives oh, right yeah. now. Right? Recalibrating everything. Recalibrating yes. everything. Recalibrating it's, and reinventing this all getting this getting stuff.
2: Room too.
0: It is. So Tiffany, you you mentioned something that came up in a previous episode, right? You talked about your home is your sanctuary. Oh yeah. Right, and we know that in all of our industries, we talk about always bringing your authentic self, full authentic self, to work. Right now, work is in our sanctuaries. Right, yeah. Where we are, you know, seeing how people are living, whether it's grand or not, whether they're stuck in their bedroom. The use of virtual backgrounds is cute and stuff, but it's also sometimes meant to hide. Yeah. Some oh, stuff. Yeah right? It's interesting. And so how, there's also,
1: there's also a lot of people who are, I don't know if you've seen this, but I, I found an increasing number of folks who are not showing their video.
4: Yeah. Um, when we're oh, around. absolutely. And, 100%. you know,
1: and, and that's, you know, as a, as a, as a manager, as a leader, that's always making me think like, you know, let me send them a private chat. What's going on? You know? And it couldn't, you know, they're like, Oh, there's kids running around. And I was like, well, that's become normal now, but no, really what's going on. Um, I'm, I'm finding that, yeah. you know, we're, 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 we also are finding our places of how to hide and, mm-hmm. and, and that those, those hidden places are the places that, you know, we have to dig into because you know That's right. we, we can't, these are, these are the moments where, you know, hiding, hiding, because, you know, like your face doesn't look good today is one thing, but hiding because you're just, you're going through a deep depression is another. And so yeah. having being able to gauge that and being able to build, these muscles up that most leaders just, you know, haven't had to in a while very quickly is, is of critical importance. But I I
3: do say, I do say this time is, is we're asking ourselves, which, what kind of leader am I? Mm -hmm. Because I think that when we're outside in real life, titles, achievement, um, to some extent, me and Jess share this covers things that are important and achievable and milestones for us uh, now in isolation really mean nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can't, sort of, sort of put up my resume before I get on a call. I I, I can only use what I have right in front of me, which is my hands and my thought process. And in terms of the sanctuary question, I traveled so much that I literally turned my living room into uh, my get ready to travel area. Like I should have just put California closets in my living room because I barely saw like my bedroom or any other part of my sanctuary because I traveled so much. And when I when we first did shelter in place and I looked around my house, I'm like, "What did I do to this place like it's not it's not a home mm-hmm. i was I was basically just just come it, it was almost like a dorm room yeah, that and it really like I had to sit mm-hmm. for like a week and be like, am i is this how I'm really living <laughs> where you know my refrigerator looks like the refrigerator in a college dorm room, and my living room is full of clothes and there was just a lot of things around so I don't know if any of you have done this, but not only, and it's not even Marie Kondo, it's just the TRW method. I don't even know what it is, but you looked around your space to make sure that because you're going to be spending time in it, that you make it so that it's <clears throat> free and clear because your space reflects your mind. Um, yeah. That was a big, that was a big lesson for me. The first couple of weeks. I mean, It's, I also, my,
0: it's also the my space. Home, my
3: home is everything. Um, I mean, and, you know, but it's also, and I know that
1: we have, Carl, I'm sure you have a lot of other questions for us, but it's also lifted up for me—not just—not just my home as my sanctuary, and it, and it always has been. So I—I I haven't had to restructure or anything, but I've also been, to your point earlier, Tiffany, about gratitude. I have my my meditation every morning before I get up. I spend about ten minutes. Um, the first three minutes is it's it's really just a gratitude exercise, and I'm just I just start lifting up like. Who am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? Where? And then I start thinking about people, then I spend the next three minutes thinking about people that I love and sending love to people everywhere in the world. And you know, whether they're sick, whether it's my parents, my grandmother, whatever it is, I sort of spend time centering on that. And then the, the last three minutes are when I think about okay, what's today gonna look like? What do I what do I want to achieve? What it's what's the purpose that I want to achieve today? And that's that's how I've been doing that for about close to two years now. And, uh, a, a leadership coach of mine gave me that practice and it's been really helpful. Um, mm. and it sort of, and I do it also because I'm lazy. So I do it in bed. I don't even get out of bed. I'm like, I'm still like, I, you know, I turn my <laughs> alarm off and then I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. And then it, it helps me sort of get up and start my day. And it just, it, it's, it's a, it's a really nice way of centering for me. For me, it's been the, the practice of like, I actually have, you know, I live in a brownstone in Brooklyn. And so, like the privilege of my daughter being in the room behind me and my husband being able to set up like a whole production center in the basement for his mm-hmm. job. Like, like, so for me, it's been, and, and by the way, I'm a homebody. Like I love being at home when people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, this is great. I also have an 11 year old, soon to be 12. She's entering preteens, like she's living her best life right now. All she wants, like all we need to do, is put food in her room, and she's like, she's she's on the phone, she's on the screen, she's listening to music and dancing, and you know, and we and, and I and I think about that often because I want to manage her happiness and her health, yeah. and then I'm, it, 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 I can't help but think about the folks that don't have that space, yeah. that don't yeah. that mm-hmm. don't have the the tremendous privilege that we have that I can look outside right now in my backyard and there's sun coming out and we can go and sit there, um, which we do. Um, and so to me the the what that brings up is gratitude for the sanctuary that I have at home, but also a reminder. Um, and this is a phrase, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, but it's been irritating me a lot when people say this crisis is the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. We are not, not experiencing this no. in equal no. measure. If no, anything, no. this no. crisis has has really brought to light the vulnerabilities and marginalization between issues me. in our society Absolutely. in a really, really deep way. Yeah. Yeah. Have y'all so seen I hear uh, that, I, yeah. Parasite?
4: Yeah. Have oh, y'all
2: no. seen Parasite? Oh so yes, oh, was, that was amazing. That, that is to speak of, you know, the great equalizer, people are saying that, no, this is only revealing how vastly different our experiences are right, and yep. revealing the nuances of our inequities as whatever, as, you know, Asian Americans experiencing the xenophobia and the hate crimes and the racism right. or undocumented people who are afraid to come forward and get help for their health of, you know, being fear of getting deported, all these different communities. And what's happening now is you know, that great equalizer conversation came up. And then now a bunch of people are saying, no way, here's what's really going on, which is kind of, you know, what happened with the, with the last election too, that revealed a lot of things. And so this is revealing a lot of things in that. And I bring up parasite because in the film, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but there's a flood, there's a flood in the end. And, um, and how it impacts the poor family versus the rich family is very, right. different. very different. The poor family is completely decimated. Their home is gone. They have nothing. Their lives are completely ruined. Whereas yeah. the rich family, it's a mild inconvenience for them. Mm-hmm. So for this, this you know, uh. for some people, it's like, okay, they might uh, get furloughed. They might get laid off or they might still have their job. They just get a pay cut. They're experiencing, you know, minor to mild to severe inconveniences or disruptions in their life based on on how much this is making me think a lot about how much personal equity do we have Uh how much do we have in our savings account what does our network look like what do our what do what does our informational equity look like what does Mm -hmm. our social equity look like and that's what i've been thinking a lot about because i realized if we don't have equity we don't have anything
4: that's Uh right and if even if you're talking about schooling at home right A lot of people we're talking to coworkers are like, Oh, you know, I'm struggling with the math and their math is different than how I used to do math. Well, you know what? In the hood, a lot of people don't have internet. Mm Yeah. Don't have Wi (laughs) Fi. So what does that mean for, how are they doing school? Yeah. You know what? They're not doing school They're not. They're at not. all because they don't
0: have access.
4: So am just going so exactly. to set them behind. Exactly. So, all so all, it all, you know, they say, you know, well, shit and, rolls downhill, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh-oh. And that's real.
0: These are all, you know I mean? there it is. These, these are all, I mean, these are all amazing, <laughs> true and hard realities that, you know, we're all facing in our own way and we need great leadership. We need better than great leadership at this time. And so Daisy, I think, I think you made the point earlier. Um, So I want to ask, like, you know, I've been seeing, um, I've noticed that RGA's leadership has become much more human during this time, right? (laughs) Much more uh, transparent, much more vulnerable, much more communicative about what's going on. And, you know, I'm curious to see your all takes on how, the style of leadership we need will translate, maybe hopefully will translate into kind of these, this disparity we're seeing coming more to the forefront as people become more human and vulnerable. Um, and if that will continue past this and how that will affect and impact us.
4: I'll talk about just, I like what Cuomo has been doing. As opposed to talking about what's really bad about leadership, like I feel like we spend a lot of time talking about what's bad. Mm -hmm. I like what Cuomo has been doing and things he's been doing is he's been transparent with the information that he has. And then he gives his point of view on the information that he has. And then he ends with what needs to be done or what what do we need to continue doing to continue along these trends? But I, I like his style of leadership and what he's been doing during this time. A point that Daisy made in terms of like what leadership needs to do is model the behaviors that you want people to have. And if you're not going back to we we're talking about work specifically, if you're not yourself modeling boundaries and yep. a start and an end to the workday and turning off, and that it's okay to have your kids run through the back of a video conference, or you know what I mean? Just all of these different things. If you're not modeling that behavior, it's not going to be well for your team. For example, one of my really good friends, who I will call one of my little brothers, it, he's family to me. His boss and his wife and his boss's wife actually have COVID. Oh. His boss did not miss a meeting. And wow. he's on there looking like death. Mm-hmm. So what does that communicate to them? So when they have a cold six months from now or the flu, they're going Into to feel is. like they can't take off. Mm-hmm. Because their boss actually has the thing that we're all staying home and working from home because of, but he won't even take the day off, or miss a video chat, and it's, it's just, that's just modeling very poor leadership behavior.
3: Um, can I share something um, that I received from a group that I'm a part of, and, you know, as you guys probably know, I'm obsessed with a couple of things. One is my niece, and, and the other's acronyms, so I received this, uh, this note about, you know, during this time, leaders need to to move. And, um, the, we, we all had this conversation and this came from like, um, what everyone contributed, uh, to the meeting and then they, they sent the notes and what they got out of it was this acronym called move. And, um, you know, N M was for, you know, mindful alertness, which clearly that leader did not have any self-awareness that, you know, him being sick could translate to other people who, if, even if they're not sick, but they're having a personal tribulations with their family, they still have to show up on a call. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. I'm sure o is for opening, you know To our best selves. So Even in the office, sometimes we vacillate between our worst and best selves depending on the level of stress Um, but during this time we should try to connect to our best selves, whatever that means, you know Calling up, um an employee and saying hey, let's um have you know, um a mental health Friday or something. Let's just have meetings for day. We, we are, we can now be more flexible that we're working from home that maybe we couldn't be when we were in the office. Um, or there was some sort of political nature attached from taking a day off or only working a four day week. Um, and then V, which is part of my, my personal operating system, which is viewing reality for what it is, not what it was, because you hear a lot of people saying, I can't wait till things go back to normal. And that, when I hear that, I'm like, ding, 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 you know, that, you know, that it's never going to go back to normal. This is the new normal. Yeah. Even the city that we know and love. This is the
0: current reality.
3: This is the current reality. The city that we know and love is going to be very different. Um, And then, and then E is for like, making sure that you're like engaging and affecting others and what, what and change meaning like this is, this is time that's been given back to us. And if we don't take the time to change and even My mom and all her wisdom I think because she's retired. She has a lot of time to think but she was like, you know what T? This has allowed companies and people to do the things that they didn't want to do When the world was going so fast and I'm like, what do you mean by that mom? She's like there are some people who just wanted to be ignored and work and put their head down and not contribute And now this is allowing companies in a certain way to really identify and sometimes furloughs and layoffs are needed We understand that those are painful But I think companies are also taking a chance to see if they can during this time, you know, reorder their culture. So I don't know if you guys are seeing that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know a lot of companies are making moves to actually match the values or try to at least um, that they put on put on their websites and brochures and pretty little Pictures and clip art, you know. Um, and all and of those words that you said,
2: they those are all characteristics, I feel like, that we kind of innately have to develop as people of color, people of underrepresented oh. identities. So oh, sure. it's like, who, who better to lead now than the people who have known what it's like to be left out? who knows yeah. what it's like to be excluded, who knows what it's like to, ex- You ha- we have to develop empathy because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we've we been part of the minority for so long. So I I hope that I, but the thing is, you know, and how do I say this? Like, how do we get white people to understand that? Like, how do we get white people to pass a baton to us and be like, hey, all right, you you know what it's like, here, lead us, lead us in this direction. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that there's
1: I think there's hope there. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say that it's. Listen, you know, we're, we're still dealing with the same gaps in understanding. You know, from senior leaders to those at you know at the more junior levels who are you know who really feel the sore spots of inequity in workplaces. We still have those, but I but I do think that there's an opportunity um, as as we as we rethink what the future of organizations are going to be and the future of work is going to be for you know the fact is, is that leader, everyone's, no one, there's no manual for this and everyone's trying to figure this out. And I, and and I, and and part of the reason why I've been writing a lot in, and, and in my consulting, engaging with leaders around, this is your time to really deliver on all of these false promises that we've had for so long. Again, this is the time that you, that you build your connections. And so the, the three things that I tell leaders that they have to focus on is sense-making. And this is Uh, x to your point what cuomo has been brilliant at you know it's just sense making and you know and just you know like that those those reality checks It was like but just just helping us because we can't trust so many of the bodies that are giving us information is being able to be that source of information that is meaning making and sense making it's that deep empathy chess is that deep connection to individuals and the third part of it and this is a term that i've been saying calm but a colleague recently told uh Shared with me, he's like it's really about radical calm, and I love mm-hmm. it. And it's like and radical calm is about managing for the present while thinking into the future and while building into the future. And I think that the that that the leaders that are going to really stand out and and solidify and bring back those organizations that we're worried may not even come back after all this are the ones that are really going to be leaning on sense making, empathy, and radical calm. I I, I think that that's that's yeah. really critical, and I totally agree with you, Jess. That a lot of that is not really innately um, specific to, you know, people of color and other marginalized identities. They're just, they skills that we've had to build out of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that have that have come to us. Like when people talk to me about, worried about hoarding products, I was like, I know how to ration food. I grew up in a third world country with rolling blackouts. And so like we, I know how to get like my rice and my beans and all the stuff that's going to last me for a long time. So those are not the anxieties that that I'm dealing with. But if that's your that's your anxiety, that's your that's where you're going to be spending your energy on. You're not able to spend energy on that radical calm piece, that moving us forward, that getting us there. And I do think that that's that's the future of leadership. And those are the leaders we're going we're going to see. And I do think that it's not about you know it's like whether I don't necessarily people are in a mindset right now about creating that space for that future leader. But I do think those leaders are emerging. And those those leaders are, those are the ones that are going to see us through. And I'm really excited that that does put me hey Carl to go back to your first question that puts me in the green because that gives (laughs) me that sense of hope and opportunity and, Mm -hmm. and, and spaciousness for an uncertain future that can actually be more equitable and more kind and more inclusive.
3: I pray that that that, I pray that that's the truth question, Carl. Um, now I'm turning the tables. Ha
0: ha. <laughs> it happens every episode, eventually.
3: <laughs> but no, I think this is a question for all of us. Um, it's more like a what I'm seeing, and, I, and I've been on calls with other diversity leaders who you know run programs or events or conferences, initiatives. Um, what I'm really, really concerned about is that when we come out of this, those programs, initiatives, and events, Um, that we know and love um, are going to cease to exist Uh, because it's what, what people automatically did in week one and two of this is clamped down, made it clear that they're interested in saving jobs and lives and that the programs, albeit they heavily relied on uh, to help them with their reality and their perception and um, to help their pipeline um, have not received the funds they need to continue, and I've been hearing this over and over again, to the point where I'm thinking, like, should I shift um, the funding that I get to help these smaller organizations? So uh, it's just kind of an open question to you all in terms of like one of the things that maybe we're not addressing beyond the fact of the roles that we have is that the programs and initiatives that complement what we do mm-hmm. may cease to exist, and that is a scary world to me.
0: I mean, you, you, I think you said something that that really stuck with me. It's like the programs that helped the companies with the reality and the perception. Right. So I think companies are gonna have to make a very hard choice about what's the reality and what's the perception. Yeah. And what we're gonna see, because I think you're right. Like, I mean, shout out to the you know, the Forries Foundation and the MAPE crew for making a huge pivot on a Mm 47-year-old program that not everybody's gonna be happy with. But they saw they had to make if they want the program to continue, they had to make a shift. Right. And they're still going to be still going to be impactful. People are still going to get involved. They're still going to have fellows. It's going to be great. But I think that whole idea of like what programs, what organizations, what events really help with the reality and the perception. And that goes beyond the, the, the diversity stuff. But let's, let's stay there. Right. is going to be, I mean, you know, I'm fighting every day at RGA to keep certain programs that help us with what we're actually trying to do. Yeah. Involved. While ha- making tough decisions, having to cut back on stuff that we, you know, we go to because we get our name in lights or we, you yeah. know, do this right. Programs that yeah. really give back to us, we really get ROI from, are the ones we're going to yeah. stick with. And
4: yeah. the programs that
0: are the perception of what we're doing and not the yeah. real, like we're focusing a lot on our not so FAQ game because that. that thing really helps us, especially in this time when people, you know, say yeah. like a quick little video. No, we. Let's connect for real. Let's ask real questions. Let's not just yeah. be like, "Oh, hey, how you doing? Great. Cool. Look, back to work." No, let's find out how people are okay. doing and learn about people while we are in this moment. Yeah, so, I love that. We'll that shift
2: the conversation way. from, "Oh, we should, you know, invest in DE&I because it's the right thing to do." No, it's not just the right thing. It's also business. There's so many different angles, yeah. but I'm curious how y'all how y'all work on making the business case for it? Like, what angle do you take to to tell to tell the leaders at companies, "Hey, D and I investing in D and I helps your talent retention, helps you attract more talent, helps helps your cultural currency, helps your you know helps your business
3: growth, helps you secure it, secure yourself in the future of this industry." How do you make that case, Jess? It's relationship management. I think at the end of the day, I'm connecting with one person on the other side that is going to decide if whether it's Omnicom or even Ad Color is gonna move forward in a in a in a productive way. I'll say this, that last year was our best year ever, and we got there because of the six years before that. All the things that we put in place to get to our best year ever. 2021 is going to be interesting. And I say this across the board, all all holding companies, because the decisions that you make in terms of, you know, furloughing and and is going to impact the numbers or they might they might not. Um, but when we come around and out of this, clients are still going to issue RFPs where they're asking you before they make their final decision, what are your, what is the percentage of diversity on the teams that you're going to create for me? What are you doing around supplier diversity? Those questions are still going to be asked. Shareholders are going to ask, thank you so much for making sure that you're um, doing what you can to save the planet in terms of your green initiatives. But what are you doing around like these are these are the questions that we get from those level of, um, you know, stakeholders uh, involved in my business and the business of others. Those questions are still going to be asked. And I I don't I know for a fact that you can't write in the margins. Well, uh, can we can we have like a, a break because there was a pandemic like oh, an excuse? Yeah, you can't write that in the margins. So. To your question, and, and you asked a lot of great questions for people to think about, but being on the, the front line and in the situation every day, and, and Carl, you can respond to this as well. In terms of RFPs, that's what gets everyone's spine really straight because they want to be the one who adds the value during that process. And one of the, the biggest value adds is what you're doing in diversity and inclusion, and that's not going to change.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, you're absolutely right. Those questions, Tiffany, those questions will still be asked. And I, I, I'm going to question, are those even the right questions to be asking, I, right? Because I, I've, I've yeah. seen places where it's about, okay, what's the percentage diversity, right? Mm-hmm. So what do we, what do we do as a company? And I'm not speaking of any company specifically, but what do people typically do? Is they I, love scram- our
3: dis- I love our disclaimers. So, we have like all, 17 all time, disclaimers. All
0: the time. So list, <laughs> list them out right before we start any episode. But what what do companies typically do, right? They go around the office and they look and they say, who can I put on this just to hit that number, just to make sure we're showing something. And that's not right. It's never going to work. How many times have we had a pitch where it's a diverse team that's pitching and once it gets in, Mm. it's all straight white men Mm. that are running the show. And that's why when I I think about, you know, my approach personally, but also what I'm doing, it's like, I think someone said it before, you can't, no one's gonna change how they think and how they operate and how they feel unless they experience something. That's why I think the work that Glenn Singleton's doing with Courageous Conversation so about good. Race is so important mm-hmm. because people are forced to sit there, feel, and experience something that they never had to before. Mm-hmm. Right? So the business case is not look at all these HBR things that everyone's done. Look at all these numbers. Look at like, they know that. They've seen that yeah. and it's still not yeah. moving. Still
1: not
3: moving.
0: Right? I think
1: it's gonna I think it's gonna require a this a radical reorganization and rethinking of this yeah. work, and, and I've yeah. been talking about reimagining diversity and inclusion for a long time. But I think this is the moment. This is the time. This is the time to be asking, Carl, to your point, different questions. Um, you know, questions like, you know, what has been allowed? You know, like, what are the conditions that we have yes. set up yes. that have allowed for a majority white male organization?
0: And that's like, the equity. Like, piece.
1: Th- these don't these don't happen just by happenstance. There are these are there are choices that we make every day, and we make choices every day of what do we show up for and what don't we show up for, who we show up for and who we don't show up for. And so I, I think in these moments, these are the questions that and and just to Tiffany's point, it's relational, it's 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 being in these conversations, but it is seizing every opportunity to ask different questions, to you know to move it beyond the easy check the box numbers of you know, your RFP and your workforce representation and all of that. And so when people say diversity, my favorite thing lately to say, it's like, no, you, you know, it's not about diversity, it's about compositional representation. Like, let's let's clarify that. And I was like, it's not about, um, you know, when we talk about inequities and 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 belonging and inclusion, and I was like, it's about what have we tolerated for so long, at, you know, that, that we have allowed it to exist that has created these conditions, Like it's it's about asking those more deeper questions, and I think we are in spaces now. Even though I know you know, it's like we're there's there's a whole lot going on, but there are moments now when we can ask these questions that are very much about doubling down on mission and purpose, and about doubling down on how do we set this organization to outperform amidst you know everything that is happening. And I was like, and this and the way we do it is through our people. The way we do it is through our culture. The way we do it is through the systems that we reimagine and re- and, and revision. And this is a unique opportunity to do so.
0: And that's that goes back to the point about things are not going to go back to normal. Things can't, things won't go back to normal. There is no normal, right? It's the way things were, which we know hasn't been working. And this is, again, the opportunity to make those shifts, those changes. And that's why we need that sort of leadership. We need people who are feeling their emotions and, and expressing that. We need places where people can have a workplace where they can go in three days a week and work from home two days a week because that's what works for them and that's how they show up the best. Um, we need all of that coming out of this. And I'm gonna, uh, this, I mean, this conversation has been amazing. It, And we could probably talk about this for years to come, Right. <laughs> like straight, no breaks, but I know <laughs> everyone here, busy lives, got things to do. Hopefully you've taken, everyone has taken Tiffany's advice already and cleared off their calendar a little bit today. Cause I think that is super important. Um, but I, I, we, we're going to have to wrap up because I, I'm being very conscious of everybody's time here. So quickly, quickly, if there is one thing that you could say around, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, that you think is, is very important for people to know right now, what is it? Give thirty seconds per person. I'm going to time you. Let's. I,
2: mean, I,
1: I can go I can ahead, go. Daisy. I've, I've, I've said this. You know, viruses do not discriminate. People do. Systems do. Institutions do. Mm. And every decision that we make now will set a precedent for how people treat each other after this
0: is over. Boom. That is diversity,
3: equity, and inclusion. Love it. Racism is what is what this has raised is that racism is actually an essential service um, that has been part of the American framework for a very long time. And what I hope is that we that are in the business of DE&I, along with humanity, recognize that it's time for us to confront this demon of racism and try our best to make a better future for. Um, our leaders that are coming coming up now.
2: I want to speak specifically to any Asian Americans listening because now is not the time to be complicit. Now is not the time to earn proximity to whiteness and think that that's going to keep us safe. This has proved that the model minority myth does not protect us. So I want us to speak up more, take up more space and use our voices.
4: I think this is a good opportunity to just accept any... Any opportunity that comes your way. Like, this is a time to step up. Don't lay back in the cut because we can and hide behind the screen. If you can step up, lead where you are and lead in your own way.
0: I mean, I got chills, each one of those. Thank you all. I hope everyone was listening. If you don't save the episode, listen to it over and over and over again, especially that last part. Y'all took all of us to church thank you thank you thank you thank you for spending your time thank you for dropping your wisdom thank you for sharing your stories really appreciate it I'm sure people are going to want to hear more about this topic more from each one of you so there might be a couple more conversations to be had in the future for right now I seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you this has been enlightening wonderful and um, actually has has everyone moved up just a little bit on the color spectrum I hope (laughs) I hope so I started yeah. on green. You is there one? But you said lime. It's lime
4: green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went to lime green, to
2: like forest green.
4: Okay.
0: forest. I'll, I'll take it. I got it.
2: forest green here. I'll
0: take it. I like forest green. All right. Well, thank you all. It's been thank great. Thank you, Thank um, you, guys. You, you guys Carl. are great. And thank thank you, you, all. Yes. All right. We'll uh, hear each other next thank time. Thank
3: you, everyone. I learned so oh. much from y'all. Thanks. <laughs>
4: Same We should, you
3: guys, we should take this on the road. Our combo is pretty hot.
4: Yeah, we, we kind of heat out here. I'm with it.
3: I like this. I like this group a lot. I do
4: too. I do too.
1: We got good vibes here so, and we can do this vibes. virtually and in right. person.
4: Yeah, I'm, like I'm telling you now. like representing the
2: spectrum of like, <laughs> yes.
4: damn. Yeah, like on some real stuff, I'm really down to take this Seriously. on the road, virtually, in person yes. when the time comes, but I'm, I would I would always accept a panel or discussion with you.
3: Same here. Panel. Yeah. Seriously. You started something for A's.
4: Look at that. Yeah, for real. For Can't real. You started bro, a little stop. collective. Yes.
3: store.
4: Let's keep it going.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all again.
3: I was um, literally waiting. I was literally waiting for Carl to like, like sign us off with a little bit of jazz. Okay.
0: Yeah, like
3: He's got that
0: smooth is it, voice. I, I didn't bring. I didn't bring my saxophone. No, seriously, so, yeah.
3: you're so calming. Like, no, yes, really, it you,
4: you, it, really it you really, you really calming. are. Lean into it. Lean, Lean into it. it, Carl. It's all your right. thing.
3: It's your thing. You said midnight love.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love it. I this love is, it. This is all love. This
0: is and all, know, love. Listen, all love. You can't see me blushing. That's all why it thing. works,
3: right? Yeah. This is, that's why it works. Yeah. yeah. But you guys, if you, uh, hopefully you've downloaded, but I sent you the chicken recipe. I saw, yeah, I'm downloading that Before we end, just make sure you download it. And then the move, the, the move philosophy is on there as well.